This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast with Marsha and Chuck. Oh, you did put me first. You like that? I do like it. All right. So, you guys are like, well, who's Marsha? I don't know who that is. Well, that is my lovely wife, Marsha. Oh, lovely. Marsha used to be a professional broadcaster back in the day. Never professional. You guys probably don't realize that. (laughs) Never professional. No. I think radio station DJ or uh, college DJ. Yeah, but DJ, college. That, that still sounds like a professional. Well, I did do 30 hours a week, but I still sounded like a little girl is what people told that, me. <laughs> so I don't know. You, it was a, a few years ago. So whatever. Anyway, so today we're going to talk about building, I'm going to say a bug out garden. And what I mean by that is when you leave your homestead, you know, I'm sure you you build up a nice garden at where you live and whatever, but you're planning to bug out to a camp or maybe even you have to bug out and just go start from scratch and new. And if you need to establish a garden, um, what tools you need to bring, what, uh, you know, things you might want to seeds, ideas of how to plant or what to do, what to look for when you're picking a, uh, a garden location. But this is starting from scratch, not necessarily on your property, although you probably get some good ideas for your own garden and your own, uh, you know, layout. So a lot of good stuff here. But uh, Kevin, once again, is off camping and supposedly gathering new knowledge to bring back to you guys. I don't know if that happens. You know, he's just partying, right? He's just partying. He's just drinking whiskey and smoking cigars. No, that would be our party. Oh, that's our party? Yeah. All right. So, you know, there's a lot of excitement out there. Um, Actually, a while back, uh, I think it was Angela, one of our uh, people in the Facebook group, um, actually in the Prepping Badass group, they uh, requested that, or actually she requested that, uh, you know, you always talk about your wives. Maybe you should I incorporate them into a show. Well, today is the day. So get excited. <laughs> grab a uh, get cold nervous. beer. Get nervous. <laughs> Marsha's a little nervous. Yeah, We're all excited. It's going to be great. So 
basically when you go in and you get out to your camp and whatever, and we'll talk about things we need to bring with us in a second. Um, well, no, we could start there. Well, let's start about where you're coming from, though. Because if you are serious about prepping, you should be serious about gardening. Yeah, they go hand in hand. Yeah, I think so. Because you got to have experience. Because I think that a lot of us learn from our parents or from a grandparent or neighbor on how to do some kind of gardening. But it really is one of those things where there's always a lot to learn and you don't really know till you get into it. So you could be gardening. We're in New York. It's a lot different climate than you go down south, you go up north, sunlight, the kind of soil you have, things like that. If you're going to be kind of going on the run and you don't have an established location to go to, you already have to have a base knowledge of what's going on. Sounds right. Yep. So you got to start with your home and practicing. And one of the things that's hardest to do is build some compost. Uh, Kevin always talks about compost. Well, you know. I'm a little afraid of compost. When you're home, you can buy compost in a bag, spread it out. I know how to do that. I can throw the bags in the back of the truck. Yep, super easy. But if you're going on the run or even if you have a location somewhere else, you're not going to be bringing bags of compost And it sounds easy. Oh, gather your kitchen scraps and do all that stuff. But it's not so easy. Whenever they say compost, I always hear them say dead leaves. I always think dead leaves and worms. Well. And guess what's in the forest? Dead leaves and worms. I like it. Yeah, but I think. um, Where am I going wrong? Dead leaves are great. But I, I think most people, when they think of compost, think kitchen scraps. And kitchen scraps are a lot harder to manage than dead leaves and worms. So if you can build some kind of structure to get a big pile of leaves and keep it there, that's going to be one of the best ways to do it. You can also put dead leaves over where you want to plant stuff and use that, but you really should try to physically break them down because the smaller bits they are in, the easier it is going to be to decompose. That's why you're always making me run over them with the lawnmower. (laughs) Is that what you're saying? Well, it it breaks down a lot quicker because you think of all the edges that start the decomposition process, but the more smaller edges, more rough edges you you have. Put it in the blender. Yep, the quicker you have. Um, But the big pile is kind of critical because you want it to be in one place. You don't want it to blow away. You want to really build up um, some kind of volume because when you're using leaf mulch, um, it really breaks down. So you can have like six feet of leaves and come out with, what, six inches of compost maybe? I don't know if that's the correct ratio or anything, but... It's a lot, and it does take time. One of the easiest ways you can do that is uh, chop up leaves and put them in a big black plastic bag. That keeps the moisture level right, and it really starts to decompose really quick. And you could have a bunch of those wherever you land or tucked away in your little getaway camp or something like that. Right. And that's already doing the work for you without you having to really maintain or turn or check the moisture or all that stuff. That's it. I mean, I think a uh, box of garbage bags is something you could easily throw under a seat in a car or, you know, tie it in your bag or whatever. It doesn't sound Mm -hmm. like it would take up a lot of space or weight. Yep. So garbage bags, even black tarps that... We're going to talk about it in another minute, but that'll help things break down really, really easily. But when you're home, you should try to play with building some nice compost because you have to use, like, there's a whole layering process. Greens, browns, and moisture is all very important. Temperature, oxygen, rotating it. You know, our compost results have been, eh. Yeah, the leaf stuff has been great, but you have to have so much of that. So just learning how to make compost and how to incorporate any scraps you use. If you are bugging out, that's a perfect way to get rid of some of your garbage and things like that too. Any food residue that you have, um, it's got to be vegetable. The animal stuff does not go well with a compost heap. No. No, because it invites critters in. 
but it's also so you're saying I bacteria. Have to have vegetables to get the compost in order to grow the vegetables. Yes. Sounds very complex. Yeah. Well, when you're home too, you can use chicken manure. You can use rabbit manure if you're learning how to grow e either one of those, and and that's a great idea. Um, you can even use wild rabbit poop. It's everywhere. Yeah. We you, do have a dog who's particularly good at finding rabbit poop. Yeah, but you got to get to it before he eats it. But remember that one uh, Mother Earth News Fair we went to? They were selling rabbit poop in fun little yeah, jars. In fun jars. Yep, so that's a really good thing for... Little balls of love. Yeah, or something like that. Yep. So that's something to be aware of. Try to try to do some of that now. And overall, any gardening you can do now is just going to increase your knowledge. Playing with the compost, talk about or think about moisture needs and how much you're watering. Because when you are going somewhere else, you're not going to be able to hook up the sprinkler, hook up the hose. So you got to think about mulch, which could be your leaves right there. Or any kind of um, vegetation, but it can't have the seed head on it. And you got to really try to think of capitalizing on moisture because you're not going to be able to turn on the hose. Now, any thoughts when we have our... Am I steering the wrong... Do you have an agenda of no. which way to go here? Okay. So, when we go out to our bug out location, either we're walking through the woods or we're walking around our property... Maybe we bought 10 acres in the middle of nowhere of worthless land somewhere, and that's our plan for getting away. How do I select? I mean, obviously, you're like, oh, well, this part's cleared. Might be a good spot for the, the garden. But what are you looking for if you're picking out? Like I was always told you want like south facing kind of hill slope kind of thing. I'm sure give you the longer that, season. yeah, that would be better. But really, you got to find a site that has at least six hours of sunlight. Okay. Because otherwise it's going to take something so much longer to grow than if you have six to eight hours of sunlight. All right. Some of the things do better in non-sunny locations like lettuce, spinach, and but any going, of the fruiting the right things. Yeah, okay. yeah, like peas, beans, lettuce, they all don't need as much intense sunlight. But anything that fruits like tomatoes, zucchini, and corn, any of that stuff needs sun. Okay, and then we probably want to be by some kind of water supply if we can at all. If you can. Work yeah. it out. You want it fairly level or sloping in one direction. You don't want it in a big valley or a dip because if you're in any place that has frost, what happens is the frost kind of moves down the hill and will settle in the, the valleys of things. Okay. Microclimates. Oh, microclimates. Look at me, knowing about gardening. Yep. So you got to look at structures. If there's like big trees, they're going to cast shadows on stuff and it looks sunny and you go there in a sunny day. But depending on where the sun rises and how the trees are, that's going to affect uh, the climate of that area. Now they always say like the morning sun is better. Like if you had to pick one or the other, you wanted to get the morning sun. Yep. What's that about? I don't know, really. It's more scientific than I know about, but I know that the stuff in the morning, you want it to dry the morning the dew, dew earlier. Okay. Yep, and then you can get to harvesting in the morning before the heat really kicks up because the heat dries out your product and uh, also converts some of the starches, the sugar in the things that make the fruiting things grow. It uh, converts it to starch really quick, and you lose a lot of nutrients and stuff like that. So it's got to be dry because you spread disease in the morning if it's all wet. If you get blight or some uh, insect pests and a lot of fungal diseases and stuff spread in the wet. So supposedly morning dries it out, and then you can get in there do what you need to do. But also like by stone walls or something like that. Things stone holds the heat, so overnight, okay, uh, that area won't get as cold. Nice, it'll hold that in. So anything that really needs a milder temperature at night, because it's the temperature swings. Like that can really you use can... stones to make a nice garden bed or something like that. 
or by like an outcropping of that and also shelter for the wind. Okay. Because wind can do a lot of damage to the seedlings when they're... I've seen that. Yeah. You yeah. grow nice seedlings, you start them in your house, and you put them outside, and a nice strong wind levels them, and they never quite come back. Now, you've told me, like, so we go out, we pick our location, we're ready to... All right, I'm going to start gardening. Um, one of the things you talked to me about was tarps. Tarps. Laying yeah. them down. This seemed like a really good idea. That was the biggest thing I learned this summer. I've been doing some reading, taking some courses. And one of the biggest things I learned about was the tarps because they do the work so you don't have to. Oh, I love that. Like the scrubbing bubbles. Yeah. Nice. So, so you, how does it work? if you physically take out the weeds, you don't have to t remove grass or stuff like that. But anything with seed heads or anything like that. What happens when you disturb the soil, there's all these uh, weed seeds in the soil. Okay. And basically anything that you don't want to grow is a weed. Right. So it's got all the seeds that are in the top couple inches of the soil. And anytime you disturb that, like you turn it over to loosen up the soil because it's all compacted or something like that, there's all these seeds that get exposed to sunlight, water, and that's... That'll kick off them and growing. Ready to go. Right. right. So if you physically remove as much of the grass as you can mm -hmm. and you use a tarp and you put that down for at least three weeks, that kills the emerging seeds of the, all the weeds that okay. are there. It also keeps the moisture in. It also is a great habitat for earthworms. So that helps naturally like aerate the soil. So it's actually adding heat and moisture, almost creating compost out of the dirt that's right there. And all the weed seedlings that emerge. It's kind of composting emerge. all yep. the plants and yep. things that were already there. I mean, in a pinch you can do it over grass and stuff too, but if it's really long grass, right. what's going to happen is it'll just get matted and slimy and it'll take longer to break right. down. Now, I mean, obviously this is going to put you three weeks behind in your planting. However, the benefits gained, and honestly, there's other things you can focus on for that three weeks, even if... You're sectioning, you know, well, you're you gardening probably, in section A yeah. and you tarp section B and C or whatever. And have a lot more stuff growing. So while you're getting some other stuff started, like shelter, finding some kind of infrastructure, um, right? getting I mean, your shelter you really secure. Food. I mean, you know, if your plan is, yeah, I'm going to go out and start gardening, you're probably going to die. <laughs> I mean, you know, gardening is more of a long-term well, that's the Plan. thing, too. Everyone's like, oh, well, you have a garden. How come you're not even somebody else I know is like, Ooh. there's a huge booming garden. How come I don't have snacks? Yeah, why don't I have snacks? <laughs> because it takes time. Exactly. And so, I mean, you know, that's that's something you guys got to understand, you know, whatever. But putting in that three weeks of patience, you know, while it composts and kind of you know, kills all the weeds, gets everything out of there. Then you walk in fresh and you can throw in your seeds and they're going to thrive. Well, optimally it'll take like three weeks, but you could have that stuff. If you have a location already set up, you could tarp it now right. and it would be ready to go whenever you are. But the whole thing is too, even if you can only tarp it for a day, still some stuff's going to germinate and die and that's going to cut down on weeding, which is going to reduce competition for your plants getting water light okay. and the nutrients they need so even if it's shorter term that really helps a lot it does help the earthworms really love it under there so they grow and you know i don't know how earthworms reproduce oh it's disturbing is it yeah i learned in some kind of science class they, they lay next it to each other and, and intertwine oh it's disturbing <laughs> All right. Well, and there's something about what they're asexual or something. There's, yeah, it's. I don't know, but you'll get a lot more. They can go either more, way. They can be whatever they want to be. You'll get a lot more earthworms there. And that, they make the little tunnels and the dirt and everything so the water can get in there, air can get in there. And. Yeah, somehow you're very big on me coming in and stomping around and flipping over things with my shovel and. Somehow this isn't helpful by your standards. It is helpful. Oh, it is. But you have to aerate the soil. And then all, 
when you do all that flipping over, there's all those seeds that are naturally there in the dirt. Right. And that that takes care of it. It's called the stale seed bed. So you let everything that is naturally found in the dirt grow and germinate and then it'll die under the tarp and it'll be a little added extra compost but you think that oh I weeded it how is stuff coming up you're disturbing the dirt but also a lot of weeds are born on the wind yes they spread by wind Mm -hmm. so that's it so that that'll help you get a little head start on that um what do you, I don't know. What do you do for three weeks while you wait for stuff? Oh, I can be setting up a camp. Yeah, you set it up the take camp. Three weeks. Let's think. You like, start a little bit, and you know, that's the thing. What grows fast? So usually your quickest crop is going to be twenty days. So you have to find stuff to get yourself through twenty days before anything's going to grow and be well, apparently fruitful. twenty days and three weeks. No, because when you get there, you can do it. You can start some easy stuff oh, that doesn't need and that'll take more physical attention. Right. Now, up till now, I mean, we were kind of talking about, you know, we're walking into the woods and here we are. So that's the general sense of that. Now, what kind of tools would you bring for that kind of thing? Like I'm, I'm heading out into the woods on maybe a four-wheeler with a cart, possibly even backpacking or I might be able to drive my car as far on that old mountain road or whatever into the middle of nowhere. If we're going with kind of limited tools, we ha- we weren't able to stage. This isn't a camp we owned and, and have stuff somewhere new to us. What are you bringing in for tools? What are your essentials to be able to garden? I would say tarps okay. is the number one. So obviously we'd probably like thicker tarps. If we could plan it, but thinner it if we're carrying have to them be in. That no? thick, I think six millimeters is, okay. and they should be black because you don't want the sun to go through it because that right. just scorches everything, and also doesn't. Um, it also kills the worms if you use the clear one. Ooh. So you got to use the black tarps, um, and the six millimeters is is the goal uh, thickness, okay. I guess. I would bring shovels, hose, and some kind of digging fork. But if you're going by backpack or something like that, maybe just bring a few tool heads and then find the oh, the wood part because you can use you one. You're thinking outside the box. Well, you got to have a handle, but you could find a handle, I would think. Then I guess you'd have to bring an axe a as skilled well. craftsman. Oh, well, I do have you. Hmm. Who knew? <laughs> so I would do a hoe because you're going to have to break up dirt and take care of weeds. Um, and you can use that to cut grass down too. Uh, I would have a shovel because you're going to have to turn dirt over. And that was one of the interesting things we saw in that. What was that pioneer? Yeah, I don't know. I know what That you mean. pioneer day. Yeah, that we watched some Hulu the Canadian people yeah. that were trying to live like pioneer da- days or something. So they were plowing grass yeah. and then planting it in between the furrows that they made. And then it started pouring rain. And, yeah. and everything rotted. Yeah, it worked out well. Yeah. So if you do turn over dirt with grass still attached to it. Okay. That can actually break down and help with things, too. So you don't have to kill all the grass and pull all the grass out, but you just flip it over so it starts decomposing underneath the dirt. Composting, if you will. Yep. In place. See, if this is a drinking game, that might be our word of the day. Composting. Composting and gardening seem to go hand in hand. So shovel, hoe, knife. Because you're going to have to harvest. I like your idea of taking the heads off, though. That really yeah. seems, you know, sharp. Um, you know, that that really weight and space. Yeah. You know, both. So you think of a that. traditional hoe, which has that flattened thing. I guess you'd have to bring a file to keep the edge sharp, right? Okay, because like you don't that. have a grinder with yep. electricity. I'm a bit of a, yeah. 
a knife sharpener, a blade sharpener, if you will. Yeah. So. Well, you need a knife to harvest. Um, and then I would bring, I would love to bring a digging spade or a broad fork because that really loosens up the dirt without bringing all the weed seeds up. But I think you could now probably the bring. Kind of looks for those of you who don't know. It's kind of oh, like yeah. a pitchfork. Almost. But long, it's like three feet long, yeah, and the tines are heavy right duty. And, and it's kind of curved, yeah. you know, curved forks at the end. And she uses it to like aerate the dirt, basically, to get in there, loosen it up without totally flipping it over or destroying it. Mm -hmm. And it kind of gets in there. But again, that's something you could do with like a pitchfork if that's what you had. Well, they, have, lesser, well, you they know. have digging spades. They look like a pitchfork, but okay. it's just heavier duty metal because pitchforks really are for like grass and hay. So, so they, light, like yeah, they're whatever. super light and they don't, you throw grass with it. So a digging spade is heavier duty. You step on the top of it and then you rock it back and forth and that breaks it up. But that's only like nine inches wide. And maybe 10 inches, 12 inches long. So you could fit that in a backpack or some kind of bag. Right. But a broad fork, three foot wide, and yeah, super long, you're tough not bringing the, that. The hiking in, you know. But it might be something if you're... Um, if you have a getaway location. You know, location. your getaway location that's already pre-staged. Yep. That's another story. Now, the broad fork that a lot of people are getting, they're pretty expensive, though. You're in that $200 neighborhood. You're yeah. not... It's up there. You're not twenty bucks or forty bucks or no, but the digging spade is around thirty bucks. Around thirty, and you're in. So, yeah, I think you can you know, find twenty-ish ones. And you know, again, it's up to you how prepared you want to be, how hard do you want it to be. You know, I the big thing that all this prepping always comes down to, and and I know I say this a lot, is how worried are you that this might happen? You know, if you're like, you know, it's a one in a million shot then I think you're kind of an idiot to buy a broad fork just for to have it your bug out location because I'd want to spend 200 bucks. But if you think, gee, I think there's a 20% chance, then maybe, you mm -hmm. know, that might be something you want. Now, if you're gardening at home and it's your thing, then buying a broad fork is probably the right thing, yeah. you know. And it all depends on your budget and the world you live in. You know, some people yeah. live on... 30,000 a year and some people live on 100,000 a year or 200,000 well, a year. Well, I think you got to balance so it it's your... too. Though, if you think of time. So, the more tools you have, the less time you spend doing one task. Right. So, you could weed by hand by individually pulling things out, or you could use a hoe and take half the time, or you could use a stirrup hoe that looks like the horse stirrup that you put your foot in. So it's like an open rectangle, right. but that has blades on both sides. So if you do that, you're going to take like two minutes to weed something. So all those tools aren't strictly necessary, right. but they cut down on how much time you spend doing something, which enables you to actually garden more space without gasoline, without electricity, without all that stuff so it helps you don't have to water as much you don't have to use any electricity to do the stuff it's just easier and you get more done so you have more people to feed you need and more I can space. go back to drinking beer yeah all right you're gonna have all to, the beer that i've stashed for <laughs> the, the bug apocalypse. out beer yeah. You should make a brand of that. Brand. <laughs> the prepping bug badass bug out beer. Yeah. Ready for the apocalypse. Yep. I'll hop it up. I think that was, they, <laughs> they used to say uh, an IPA, India Pale Ale, it, it's extra hoppy and people like it because it's extra hoppy, whatever. But they actually used to make it ridiculously hoppy because it was the beer they would send off to India. To the oh, British yeah. soldiers. Yeah. And so they made it extra hoppy so that it would survive the long trip and last a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. So, see, maybe we can work something out. Yeah. And people always say, like, well, why would I want India beer? Well, it's not because it's India beer. It's beer that could survive the trip. And, hmm. and then people actually liked the taste. And when they came back to England, they were like, you know, I really would like some of that beer you used to send us. And that's what kind of got into yeah. that. Yeah, so, extra hoppy. I don't know, little 
little insight yeah, into the world. I like it. All right. Um, now, I guess we're kind of moving on to the bug out location, maybe, if we have a stage Well, one. before or, you get to it, all right. I think we should take a foraging class. Well, you always want to take a foraging class. All I hear, <laughs> let's go learn about mushrooms. Let's go <laughs> learn about... But, you know, actually, you guys might want to go back. We actually did an excellent podcast, me and Kevin, on foraging. Uh-huh. And there were some books read, some knowledge imparted. But, no, I understand. I mean, you really should learn about foraging in your area. And that's going to give you a lot of insight on what seeds and what kind of things you should be stockpiling. Because you're going to see what's really thriving naturally. Well, that's a clue of what you see what's thriving naturally. It'll help you figure out where's a good growing spot. But if you're traveling somewhere on foot, anything that you can find to eat will supplement what you're already carrying. So fruits, berries, nuts, I guess mushrooms, although mushrooms scare me. They scared, you know what, I've been easing into mushrooms. I think, yeah. I think there's some like ones that are obvious and very unique. That kind of... All the bright color ones don't go near. That That's the trick? Yeah. But, that you know, you're going to be like, oh, well, you know what? I know that's, you know, what, chicken of the woods or whatever the hell it is. Oh, or, yeah. You know, right? I mean, you know, but you'll see certain ones that, you know, just stand out and, you know, don't have a villainous uh, counterpart. You yeah. Know? But, but I just think it would be nice to know before you're desperate to know. Oh, I So think you spot it. It's more regular. You know where to look. You take your hikes. You go camping. All that stuff you I see. people foraging. I think that's huge. Yeah. I mean, I that's, think it's... that's definitely... Because the bottom line, you just said it a minute ago, it's 20 days before you're getting, you know, a harvest. Mm-hmm. And 20 days is a long time. And you know what? Carrying 20 days worth of food is a lot. Is a big thing. Now, obviously, you might be shooting some critters or, you know, who knows what. But, I mean, there's other ways to get food. But foraging, huge asset. And, you know, you can't survive on meat and prepping badass beer alone. Yeah. So, you would be happy, I think, living on meat and beer. And beer. <laughs> I mean, I've done it for years. As so long as I don't there's know. garlic. Garlic. Yeah, I can natural garlic, right? And ramps and whatever else. They always say, oh, they went and they got all the ramps out of the forest. I don't we know. We could be rich if we found ramps. It was like seven ninety nine a pound. Right. Yeah, so maybe that's the trick. I don't know. Um, now, actually, before maybe I get into the homestead part, what kind of seeds would you want to, and how would you go about Getting some seeds beforehand. Or well, there's a that lot out. of, there's a Patriot Seed Supply, which we've right, which tried. Which you weren't particularly in love with, though. I wasn't in love with it because I don't know if it's our location or... It was a nice mix of seeds. It's a great mix of seeds. But it's got the big variety there. And the good thing about their seeds is they have a lot of stuff that is seeded when it's mature. So that you can harvest the seed and continue to have a crop. Now, how so, is that different? I don't even understand. Because there's modern hybrids of vegetables now. So they are bred for certain characteristics. But some of those, if you, a lot of them, if you save the seeds, they don't reproduce what you terminate. had before. No, they'll grow, but it'll be like weird stuff. Huh. Or it won't grow at all. It doesn't have seeds that are are fertile. So a lot of the heirloom varieties are ones that if you let go, let mature, and like I have lettuce back there that I'm trying, that it looks like a mini tree because yes. it's all seeded. It gets like seed stalks on the top. You dry those out and harvest it. You can have another crop. So that was the Swiss chard that I let go because I wanted to see if I could get seeds from it. Right. Because it grows and Swiss chard looks like uh, kale or lettuce, like on a bigger stalk with almost like celery-like stalks with big leaves on it. And not anyone's 
well, I like Swiss chard, but everyone else is like, oh, you're making Swiss chard. But you chop it up and you put it in soups or stews and it's vitamin C and a lot of... Sounds like it's better than having dandelion soup every day. Yes. So, but that, if you let it, the plant really mature, it sends out the stalk at the top and it's got all the little seeds on it. You dry those, there's your next crop. So... Anything that's heirloom is going to be able to be seeded mostly. But there's simple things that you don't even need a certain variety to. Garlic. They're all uh, self-perpetuating crops. So Garlic's super easy. Like, we just take them. Garlic was super easy. We were surprised at how easy. You just bought, you know, you just buy a normal thing of garlic. You want it to be organic. Okay. When you buy it in a store, just because the other ones, sometimes they spray with a preservative so it won't rot as okay. quick. And that'll inhibit them growing in the All right. in the dirt. But and you just basically break off each clove. Clove, yep. I can talk. And uh, you, you know, bury it. It was about a half inch. Yeah, it was finger yeah. this much. So two inches, inch and a half. <laughs> and, this uh, much, you could about see About that it. much. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, but you just drop it in the ground and, um, I don't know. You can see where the point, where it wants to grow out. Like usually if you look, well, you know what? You think of the bulb, it has like the knot on one end yep. and then they all come to a point. And that's the end so you the, should put down. The knot goes down in the ground and the point right. is Right. So you break up. it up. It's like usually, I don't know. like six of them. I always, I mean, around here, we're planting them around our fruit trees because it keeps the deer away. It does keep the deer away, so um, that's a great so extra So we do it bonus. around the base, and so each clove is going to give you a full head, a new full head that'll, you know, happen. Um, what you're going to look for is you usually plant it in the fall. Um, about midsummer, you get, they call them scapes, uh, Tall, so, like green, uh, you know, little shoots that come up. Looks like a thicker than a blade of grass, but it curls up at the top. And if you leave it, this it has it a little tricky. head. Now, the head you want to snip off because what will happen is that'll get bigger. And the underneath the ground one will get growing. smaller. So yeah. you want to cut the top off. Now, what's cool, too, is this long blade of grass is something you can eat and use for seasoning and tastes like garlic already. Think of kind of like, like chives or yeah. like that. But mm-hmm. it's kind of cool and it's very garlicky and tasty and nice. Yeah. And, and so it does keep scapes. the deer away too. So when you're planting the garlic and you peel the, the cloves, you can use all that papery residue on top of like your garden beds or around your fruit trees. We do it all to keep the deer back enough away from the fruit trees so they just don't eat it down to nubs but that's a great repellent for a lot of uh animals although i wish it worked better for chipmunks yeah chipmunks are your nemesis yes they are i don't like them yes one day i'm gonna get rid of your chipmunks Mm -hmm. i got rid of the groundhogs now yep so garlic is a good one potatoes are another one okay so for potatoes you just need a piece with an eye in it. And you know, you know those eyes. Dimples. The dimple. But you want to put it in a dark s- space. And those little um, nubs will grow out. And that's going to be the root of your plant. So you can plant a whole potato or you can cut a large potato into pieces. And as long as each piece has an eye in it, that's going to grow into a potato plant, which could produce... I don't know how many potatoes because I have yet to discover the secret of potatoes. Yeah, nobody really knows what <laughs> happens under the ground. All I know is I plant a bunch of potatoes and then I have a bunch of potatoes in the ground. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, see? Yeah, that seems something fishy. Yeah, there. but this year for every, most of them were smaller that I had saved, but right. some of them were bigger. So for every probably piece of potato I planted, I probably got like eight to ten potatoes. So it's that magic. It's like a pretty good yield. It's yeah. magic. No, and that's, Not that's... as many as I want because they say if you put it, so you cut the potatoes, you let them dry out for a day because that helps against rot. So it kind of seals the outside edge before you put it in the dirt. All right. You plant it in the dirt, and as you as the potato sprouts up, you're supposed to add dirt on top of it 
because the potatoes grow at the bottom of the plant. So the higher you put the dirt, supposedly have more area to grow potatoes and they have those barrels and we made the square boxes that you add another layer on top of it and then fill it with dirt and add another layer of the box on top of it and it's supposed to grow potatoes all along the roots but I only find the potatoes at the very bottom so there's got to be some something that I'm missing trick or not. but you can't let the potatoes be exposed to sunlight because if they're exposed to sunlight and they're green they have a substance in it that's like poison that I makes try you not sick. to have poison in my food I try that too crapshoot yeah, so green potatoes, that's what they say. But if it's a little green, you just cut the green off. But if it's like solid green, that means don't eat it. All right, good to know. So potatoes, but then you harvest them, you save a few for seed, and then you plant your next batch of potatoes. All so right. self-perpetuating. So even though a slightly less exciting germination rate with my Patriot Supply, you're saying you were happy? Yeah. Because I had a lot. So kale, that's the kale I tried it, the tried the lettuce. And I, I said slightly less germination rate, but that's actually I mean it's cuz they're not Well, they were 3 they're years heirloom. old. They're not They were 3 years old okay. when I planted them and they're vacuum packed. So you should be able to take those seeds and they keep for a while cuz they're vacuum packed. They're not in paper. They're all foil moisture proof they come in a can so you can really carry it and there's a huge variety I like it. so that was good it wasn't that much it might have been as much as 29 bucks for the big can but well it they have a bunch they have or... like the victory garden one um which is a little bit of everything they have a um medicinal one oh, I like so for medicinal that, plants yeah. and they have a tea garden one who doesn't like tea, really? I love tea. I mean, if you, you figure you don't have alcohol in the end of the world. You want tea? You wish you had that tea garden going. You won't have coffee unless you well, <laughs> don't live I've around I've already planned here. for that. Yeah, no, I've planned for coffee. Coffee so and toilet paper, we're set. Coffee and poo paper, you don't mess around. You know, there's certain <laughs> things you got to realize. you got a responsibility. <laughs> and, you know, you got to take care of your family and provide. Um, Yeah, so that's... And, you know, there's a million guys who you look on, like, eBay. They'll be, like, a billion, you know, survival seed packet for, like, $4 and whatever. I have no idea, but I would say if you're going to buy something like that, You want to look out. for something that's going to really keep. So you need the vacuum packed. You need the foil packets because critters aren't getting in them. Yeah. Uh, moisture isn't getting in it. No. I go and with the they have I a trust. lot in there. Yeah. There's a lot. So you could really get probably multiple crops out of it. Okay. Um, and then obviously you're stealing new ones. seeds for the next. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I'll put a link in the show notes for my Patriot Supply because I think we have some kind of an affiliate link that I don't think anyone's ever used before. But yeah, you know what's funny though is I actually feel bad. Like I'll see somebody with more power and juice than me like. Glenn Beck or something will have a deal where it's like $99 for a month of food and I'll just put up his affiliate link because I feel like man you guys should get the better deal than instead of clicking mine where it's like a buck fifty for you know because I you got to wait for the right special you know you do have to wait for the right special and that's the thing there's so much to think of you have to be economical and yeah. you have to kind of put together a plan uh, a plan. A plan. A budget. A plan. Yeah. Buy things you when can't. it's appropriate. You do. Buy ammo when it's cheap. Yep. So, crops, garlic, potatoes, corn is a good one. Corn is a great one. Yeah. But I think you're inviting trouble with animals. With well, what I was thinking is that maybe I want animals hanging around. When um, oh, I didn't see, that, think of that. That's, yeah, you know, because then you could get the right animals. now. Obviously, now they won't bother it right at the beginning, and but as it gets close to being right. ripe. But also now, if um, the guy who is 
happy in my house, like little house on the prairie and whatever, and everything's good. And I'm inside sleeping at night in my toasty warm bed and with my fireplace, then yeah, I don't know if I want to invite animals around. But if I'm the little prepper compound with 12 people there and I have a person out on watch every night, could they not watch the garden as well? Could I not set up a little perimeter kind of they thing? They could, but are they going to shoot through all my plants to kill They're the animals? They're going to shoot through anything they can <laughs> to get that deer, um, deer but, cooked up and in the smokehouse. Well, who's shooting chipmunks is what I want to know. It does keep going back to that, doesn't it? Yes. I don't know. Moving right along <laughs> past the chipmunks. So we said corn because you grow the corn. And then you could dry a few ears of corn and then rub that off and that seed for your next year. All right. And corn doesn't grow naturally? There's some weird thing? There's stuff that looks like corn, but I think you get sick if you eat it. I've heard that. What was that one? There's that that, that looks it looks like corn. Yeah. No, there is. They And they actually plant stuff on the outside of cornfields. That's for the deer and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then different on the inside that's for the people. Smart. And yeah, there, there's a whole thing there. Yeah. And then people go and steal corn and they're like, oh, I'm going to go pick that corn. And then they all get sick. And, well, there's two and, different kinds of corn, too. It's not good. There's sweet corn. And then there's corn. I think it's flint corn. It's harder. And I'm sure more people know about it more than we do because we. We're not corn people. Well, I wish I was corn people. I'm grocery store frozen in the freezer corn people. <laughs> well, we live on a big pile of rock, so every inch we fight for in the garden is very precious. So someday we'll have room for corn or move somewhere. When we move to Iowa. Iowa? I thought it was Kentucky. No. Who knows where it's going right. to be. But somewhere you could have more space for corn. That would be great. I wish I knew more about corn. I do wish I knew more about corn because there's sweet corn and the flint corn. Right. So that flint corn is harder. So if you eat it like an ear of corn, you will get sick. But you also dry it out and then grind it for flour. Uh -huh. So you don't have to grow wheat. Or Although wheat could be a great crop that I haven't investigated anything into because what are you going to do? You're for, not threshing? Well, you'd have to thresh if you grew wheat, but I don't know anything about growing any of the grains. Buckwheat. Buckwheat is a cover crop, though. That's different. They grow buckwheat for buckwheat noodles, those oriental noodles I make. So it's got to be some kind of crop, but I think usually the cover crop I know just uh, adds nutrients into the soil. So corn would be another thing. And then we were talking about the different um, seed collections. And there's a tea and a herb collection. Right. But Johnny's Seeds has like a great um, combinations of heirloom seeds. They also have cover crop seeds, cover crop mixes. So you plant... Like uh, there's oats and vetch and buckwheat. So you plant that. It crowds out all the weeds and it enriches the soil and the roots of the stuff loosens up everything. So when you, you cut it short and you turn it over into the dirt, so it's the green compost and it's already aerated your soil. And then you plant your crop in that too. So that's something to consider. Maybe like a pack, couple packets of that if you're going in. So you have to have a seed stash, I think. Like it. All right. And then, so that wraps up self-perpetuating crops. Where do you want to go next? Well, I'm afraid because we're at 48 minutes. All right. So let's talk about knowledge. Knowledge? Yes. Tell me more. You got to drop some knowledge. <laughs> so if you're serious about prepping, which I assume you are, if you're listening here. Right. Because it can't just all be about the sound of your voice. No, there's a little bit. 
there is a lot about that. I think so. Moving right um, So you have to uh, build up some knowledge. So like we were talking about before, getting some practice in gardening, learning about compost, maybe foraging with somebody who's knowledgeable or taking a class on that so you can find your local flora and fauna that you can eat. Um, and then also seed saving techniques, cover crops that you could grow, uh, different ways to tell if where your site is, is fertile or not fertile. I'm sure there's crop identification that you could kind of learn about and it would tell you, oh, that's an acid growing plant. Like if you find blueberries, you know, they like acidic soils. So blueberries would grow next to things, certain things. Um, But also you'd have to learn about how long things take to grow, optimum conditions, um, how to incorporate poop into your gardening plan, poop management. So chicken poop, rabbit poop, all that stuff. Some things you can apply directly to the garden. Some things you have to age so it doesn't burn your crops. And also harvesting. How do you tell when something's ripe? How do you know when to pick a bean, when to pick a pumpkin, when to pick a squash? How do you know when the best thing is? And then once you harvest the stuff... I usually wait for you to tell me is how I know. <laughs> how do you... Know, what do you do with this stuff? So if it's... If you're off the grid and you don't have a big... Um, infrastructure how do you save your harvest so there's stuff that you can just keep cool in a root cellar or stream or you know a root cellar sounds like what I could be doing with that three and a half weeks I had (laughs) (laughs) yeah or learn how to can how to dry um all those things, the more that you learn ahead of time, the easier time it's going to be for you to do that stuff. And then um, not just for bugging out, but if you have a getaway location to have screens for drying, um, twine to to hang stuff up with to dry. And that and growing beans and all that stuff. I mean, yep, all the beans thing and things really like that. Sure is in your pack is- yeah. Beans are huge. I mean, I left it off my list, but that's one of the things that I really concentrated on this summer because, yep, it enriches the soil. So it's a soil builder, and it's great and healthy for you to eat. Um, It's got some protein in there, too, and there's a whole bunch of different kinds of beans. But, like, regular beans, you can eat green beans are, like, 40 days. But, like, the beans that you... Um, like shell, beans or... dried beans okay. take like 70 to 90 days. So that's a super long-term crop that you're going to have to protect and look out for. But that's a really important, easy storage thing because what do you have to do? Peel, you shell the beans and put them in mason jars and cap it. You don't have to process it or anything. Dried beans are big, big deal for, storage, for a long-time nice. storage. And... If you can find a recipe to eat groundhogs, they go hand in hand, growing beans and eating groundhogs. I would be growing broccoli. Groundhogs yeah, like broccoli. If you were in a tractor. All right. Chipmunks like tomatoes. So we need to find a recipe for groundhog with broccoli sauce. Can you even eat a groundhog? I've heard of people doing it. I have a friend. So It sounds like it would be like musky. They look like beavers where you they think it would like be beavers. musky and... Or giant rats. Skunky. I don't know. I don't know. So there's a lot to think of. Um, We didn't really cover fruit at all because that's going to be important for vitamin C and everything too. Well, let me touch on quick and I'm going to kind of zip through this. Your gorilla gardening? Yeah, kind of. That guy is a genius. So I think it's what, Steve Austin? Yeah. You guys have heard me plug this book, and, or Rick Austin, sorry. And it's a little expensive. Usually I see it, it's like 29 bucks. 
but believe it or not, I've actually bought it three times because I keep losing it, and I'm like, I can't go through life without it. And I think you lend it. it. Yeah, I think I give it to people, and it Kevin great... might be responsible for at least one of them. But it, the book is The Secret Garden of Survival, How to Grow a Camouflaged Food Forest. Now, And there's great ideas in there because it talks about building fertility, so it you knock down the smaller trees, you make these things, I think they're called hugel cultures or something like that. Guilds, I think And beams, them. well, underneath. So it's the rotting wood, plant debris that you already use to clear your land. Yeah. And then um, that decomposes and does fertility. But he has this great plan where it's like a circle area of crops. But if you look at it, it doesn't look like anything. So it looks like overgrown stuff. And who wants to whack through weeds while you're trying to hike and get away from everyone? And there's all that food hidden right there. Now this is, I mean, one for your own property, depending where you are, it's an excellent resource. But also if you had a bug out location... If you spent, I think, maybe one summer out there setting it up, it could kind of be where it's ready to go even though you're not there maintaining it. And that's what's kind of cool about his thing. So he talks about, like, fruit trees. This is why I kind of steer us over this Fruit trees in the middle, right? You do a fruit tree and then surround it by, like, first circle would be, like, onion, garlic, chives, that kind of stuff. Because it can grow in the shade and, and it keeps, it keeps deer the deer away. Yeah. Then pollinators like uh, bee balm and dill, things like that. To bring all the bees then in. Then he puts like peas, clover, that kind of stuff. Soil builders, yeah. Comfrey. And then daffodils on the outside. Because that's deer repellent as well. So you have all this, like, what is it, symbiotic is the, uh, yeah. the word I'm looking for Fancy. Here. You know, they all work together. And help each other, you know, like the Indians used to do with their, you know. I do want to try that, too. The three sisters. Three sisters. The corn, the pumpkins. Um, Yeah. He also had, like, the same type of thing. Um, Walnut. Take, like, a walnut tree in the middle. Um, Then current tomatoes, peppers. Now, tomatoes and peppers, they're not going to renew on their own, though, right? Actually, they can because when they grow with the fruit, okay, all the seeds. If the fruit drops on the ground. Yeah, so that back of our house, all those all right. tomato plants there are all, right. all from. Okay, so he does the walnut tree, current tomato peppers, then like elderberry bushes, mulberry bushes. Mm-hmm. Those will all work together. Now, you really got to get his book if you want to get into, like, what exactly should I plant and where. With what, yeah. That's beyond the scope of what trees, we're doing. roots had toxins or something Right, but in that's it. why those things are going to thrive. There. I mean, that's the thing, right. You're not going to do your garlic and your, you know, with the, the other. So, just things to look at where, you know, you could have things already established, even just at a minimum, like raspberry bushes blueberry bushes you throw them out there and yeah they just kind of take care of themselves until you know these are things you might you know beforehand plan Mm -hmm. you know some of your more um if you just built a nice tool shed and threw some stuff in there maybe spend some time with the chainsaw and stuff while your resources are more available to you to kind of clear land and the bigger trees kind of have the garden areas kind of sectioned off a little bit um I mean, if you could deal with fencing now, again, this is how much are you willing to do? Yeah. Um, if you could deal with fencing and stuff beforehand, yeah, that's awesome. But, you know. You could also set up, like, a rain catchment system where rain barrels and hoses. He has a lot of great stuff. Yeah. But these are things you can do beforehand to keep going. I just know you guys might be getting tired of listening to me. I know everyone wants to listen to Marsha because she's wonderful. I don't think so. You know, I don't want to bore you too much. But, I mean, there's a lot of neat ideas you can do to establish, you know, beforehand. Mm -hmm. But I really wanted to, you know, guys think about, you know, when you're starting from scratch, it's tough. And like Marcia said, to be able to kind of get your hands dirty and do some gardening beforehand, get used to how to grow things, what kind of works, 
what kind of predators and things are going to, you know, be an issue for you and how to start to deal with them. It is surprising. Like certain crops definitely bring out certain animals that are are looking for that, are very sensitive to uh, to things being ripe. But you could have heavier duty tools. You could have a wheelbarrow. You could have buckets. Um all those kind of things if you have one set location already because that's very cumbersome to carry all that right. stuff. Although putting things in a bucket, not a bad idea. No, always Even a good idea. Even if you made, like a, you had a sea bag that you were going to wear it, carry on your back mm-hmm. on your way out. If you put a five-gallon bucket in there and then packed into it, it might not be too horrible. Yeah. You know, something you could do to take up space. Again, it all depends. How far are you going? How mm-hmm. You know, all these things weigh out. But just different ideas you could be thinking of. Yeah. So huge. So a lot of good stuff out there, and you know you guys got to just kind of keep learning and keep searching for new stuff. But I think that's key. That, I mean, the real the knowledge because right now you have the time to spend to go to the library, go talk to somebody, go YouTube. find this, yeah, all that stuff. But you want to be well-versed. gardener class and be a yeah. freaking king of the world. You want to be well-versed enough so that when you have to do this and your survival depends on it, you have some knowledge to start and you're not just, you know, like throwing seeds somewhere and hoping something happens because you can't sustainably live. Johnny Appleseed guy, I mean freaking america great or something yeah it's a thing all right it might be a myth i don't know i don't know but it sounds pretty good (laughs) apple seeds everywhere hey apple seeds how is his bag like limitless i know when i'm throwing seeds it doesn't last that long what about whatever happened with ginseng it's growing let's go look we have a forest filled with ginseng you gotta wait two months all right september End of September, there should be berries, and we should be able to go pick some ginseng. All right. So what you guys want to do now is you want to go preppingbadass at gmail.com and send me, like, happy notes that, hey, your wife was awesome. <laughs> it was so great having her on that podcast. You need help to get Maybe in my good run graces. Over to, run over to freaking <laughs> iTunes and be like, you know, I love that freaking podcast. And Chuck's <laughs> wife, excellent. And that way we stay uh, in the nice. good graces and everything's nice. Um, you know, you guys, you love the show. You can uh, support us on Patreon, patreon.com slant prepping badass. Um, you can also support us by supporting our sponsors. Um, tackpack.com has a great subs- yeah, subscription where you can sign up to get cool gear delivered every freaking month. It's awesome. I just got a huge box filled with all kinds of fun toys that we're going through. And it's just exciting to get cool new gear all the time. I love it. And the best part, if you use code BADASS, they're going to hook you up with a free gun cleaning mat. That's pretty slick. And it'll protect your fancy furniture. So when you, yeah, you want to lay out all your rifles on your coffee table and the wife's like, why does it smell like gun oil in here? I don't know, <laughs> but this map might help prevent some of those things. Um, anyway, but also great stuff to get comfortable with and learn some new capabilities of the weapons you have. Oh, and I like it now. Actually, maintenance and what cleaning, she's saying, right? This is all true because um, about three months ago they sent out a new handguard, and to replace a handguard on a AR, you basically have to remove the the whole barrel. You have to change the uh, the gas tube and different things that pushed me a little bit beyond my comfort zone. And But those are the kind of things that make it so you really understand what's going on and how things work. So, I don't know. Kind of, you know, stepping outside your comfort zone is not a bad thing or a bad place and to be. And acquiring some knowledge, gaining some ease and use of what you have. So, maybe we could post some lists on... Uh, seed suppliers and tools. I could probably put something cool in the show notes for you. Also, I'll see if I can throw some stuff up on Facebook. Also, we're starting to do uh, get a little active with uh, Instagram, figuring out what that thing is. Not really sure. Pretty much, I just post pictures of cool guns, but it's working out for me. So, with that, 
stay safe, and we'll talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.